The global pandemic that we would all dearly love to put in the past has forced major changes across the entire face of daily life. Millions of people have discovered how to work from home, food stores have created curbside pickup programs, corporations are questioning whether they need expensive office space in downtown cores any longer. Retailers have successfully transferred their bricks and mortar business online. The beating heart that makes all of this possible, of course, is technology. Without it, frankly, we'd be sunk. Its impact is felt in practically everything we do and was felt long before the pandemic even struck. Perhaps technology's greatest service has been in the education and training arenas. Thanks to digital communication platforms, training organizations, colleges and universities have been able to carry on in some fashion to provide ongoing education to their learners. Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve, a podcast series produced by Gerent, one of the leading Salesforce implementation partners. I'm your host, Chris Henry. And in this episode, we will examine remote learning, its numerous challenges, and the critical role that technology is playing. We have two experts from the educational field, April Bulwich, Senior Director of Education here at Gerent, and Jeff Hutchison, founding partner of Global Ed Professionals and a highly experienced international educator. Even though training organizations and higher ed institutions serve different target markets and different needs, many of their challenges are similar. Chief among them, according to Jeff Hutchison, is whether they're remaining relevant and serving the needs not only of the learners, but of the workplace as well. So they, they still go after the same targets, but um, the challenges today, <laughs> It's, it's one in which you have not just a, a, a workforce in the U.S. And, and a mindset in the U.S. It's, I think it's a global happening in terms of what is the purpose of education. Um, you know, we are far removed from the trivium and the quadrivium of, of uh, the, old, the old Greek model uh, of a liberal arts education. Um, and you can see that even today in higher ed if you, if you look at... Um, some of the prognostication in terms of what's happening, uh, that a lot of the at-risk universities and colleges are those small private liberal arts uh, colleges uh, uh, because the price of higher education has grown so much that it's almost beyond reach of many, even with the support of uh, financial aid, which of course has to be paid back. And people are wanting something, uh, you know, put in layman terms, they want uh, they want some uh, return on investment uh, uh, for their time. And so um, the educational institutions that are geared towards uh, the workforce, uh, STEM, skills-based, generally are positioned themselves um, a better market. But uh, when you get back to the, uh, the, the challenges, at the end of the day, they are delivering uh, learning whether it's uh, to an employee, whether it's to a student, and the challenges they face uh, always stem back from uh, what's motivating the, the individual taking that. And so how are they making sure that they're meeting that uh, in that respect? So for higher ed, is it, is it they are meeting the challenges of, of what the market wants, delivering, <clears throat> delivering to them an education that's going to prepare them for uh, their profession, uh, training? Are they delivering the credentials, the skills needed uh, to advance? Um, uh, well, I say advance, it could could be entering, uh, depending upon the, on the focus of the uh, training organization. 
but entering into the workforce uh, or bettering themselves um, uh, within uh, their company, uh, whether the company is focusing on organizational development or they have specific professional development uh, targeting uh, the skill sets needed for the position. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it is a case of uh, making sure that uh, you're you're meeting and delivering a product that's going to be to the benefit of the receiver. April Bulwage spent more than 20 years as Director of Central Admissions at ELS Educational Services, a company serving the international student marketplace, before she joined Jaren. I asked her to identify the key areas of concern for training in higher ed institutions, and she went directly to the elephant in the room. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, there's so much right now that both sectors really have in common where traditionally training organizations or providers are looked at as very different from higher ed. There's so many similarities with the challenges they're facing in the post-pandemic reality. Right now, you know, both types of institutions have gone through the same drastic change of being thrown into an online delivery method that they may or may not have been prepared for, not only from the delivery method point of view, but also from the operational side. So how they can support their students, how they can support their staff, how they can grow their enrollment at a time when that's so, so, so needed. I think everyone knew that online training was part of our future. There was going to be, there would be more students going online for courses, either because of a need with their schedule or their purpose for studying. But um, considering what happened last spring, where everyone was forced to go online, and while some schools were prepared for it because they had been dabbling in it, or some had gotten really, really good at it, other schools were literally sending out Zoom links to students, uh, PDF forms, Word documents, anything they could to get the classes continuing so students wouldn't lose time in their classes and they wouldn't stop making progress. But the truth of what happened was the pandemic on top of everything, it made it very difficult for learners to progress within their studies, to feel satisfied, and especially to feel part of that community. In higher ed or in training organizations, that was one of the bigger challenges even were to keep students engaged and to make them feel like they were part of something. Jeff Hutchison echoes many of April's views around remote learning. So I asked him if he thought trainers and educators were doing a good enough job. You know, that's probably a question best answered by researchers in five to 10 years about the impact of, uh, yeah. of this pandemic upon, yeah. <laughs> upon not just the industry, but upon the populace as a whole. Um, there is always, always room for improvement. What we have witnessed in this past year has been a forced move into um, what I would describe as a universal modality uh, of online instruction, whether it's training, higher ed, even to K through 12. And you have so many variables that impact that. Uh, and then I'll you know bring it back to, to higher ed. Uh, Higher ed still, for the most part, does have a, a mass appeal. I think it's, what is it, a majority of individuals will go on into, into uh, a tertiary education. But not all of those individuals have access to um, uh, to the equipment needed for that learning. And, you know, quite frankly, if all they're relying upon is a phone, uh, having a LinkedIn uh, lecture on a phone and interactive technology that that the professor may be using or the faculty member may be using, it's going to be lost when you're looking at a five inch screen uh, and you can't go back and forth. So, you know, is remote learning, uh, are they doing a good job? I think they're doing the best they can. I think that uh, the platforms out there that are made for this, those, you know, it's much like the restaurant industry. 
uh, those uh, restaurants that were already uh, working in the online environment, delivery, uh, et cetera, in a much better position than, uh, than those that rely upon uh, the sit down. You know, a, a steakhouse that, you know, their, their product is, is based upon a steak warmly and hotly delivered to your table. You know, they can't have that same experience with DoorDash. Uh, so, <laughs> um, and if you've got, uh, you know, the hallowed halls of an institution that uh, was not ready for uh, the remote learning to take place, uh, they're, they're further behind in having to play catch up. I, I was recently working with a, an institution, a proprietary institution, not uh, still what I would call a, a post-secondary. They, they were struggling in the delivery. Um, and they they were at what I would call the entry level in terms of what they prepare students for. Mm. Uh, and they cater to more, I would say, uh, individuals that uh, skills-based adult ed uh, that uh, just don't have the resources to take advantage of the online uh, environment. And so it's been a challenge for them. And they're, they were out in California trying to make sure that they could get back into a uh, you know, face-to-face as quickly as, as possible. So how they navigate that because they, their best delivery is in a face-to-face environment. All educators agree on one fundamental fact when it comes to learning. No two people learn in the same way. Some can excel in a purely online environment while others struggle with it, doing better in a class setting surrounded by their peers. Even though all the technology that could be needed for remote learning is already available, April Bulwage argues that engagement is the biggest piece of the learning puzzle. Absolutely, and I think that's one of those areas where training providers and higher ed institutions are really in the same boat because the delivery methods are available. There are plenty of options now, especially almost a year later from schools going off campus, going remote, that are available for the academic piece. But it's really that engagement. How can I support my students? How can I set up office hours so they have someone that they feel like they can talk to if they have a problem in class? Are they really being successful? Are there better ways that we can assess them virtually that we that we haven't done in the past? You know, so many people were making up forms as tests and they didn't really have a good way to assess their students' needs and how they were progressing. So that coupled with not really having robust profiles of their students and really understanding what their goals were, why they were there, you know, a lot of those things that you find out about a student in class just by talking to them in a training space and in a higher ed space in K-12 was gone. It was taken out of the equation for many educators and they just didn't have that chance to get to know their students. And if if there were tools available to them where they could really get where a student was coming from, why they were studying, what their hopes were, what their challenges were, how, how they had academically progressed in the past, schools have been way better prepared to help them get through that really tough time last spring, get them through the summer and have them really start again now in the fall, ready to go and ready to study remotely. Is that something where technology can play an important role then? Oh, for sure. This is where technology is going to do its thing. This is the moment technology has been waiting for. Not that it hasn't wowed us through for centuries, but for now, for sure. I mean, there are so many tools out there within with a student management system, within a CRM even, where you can get really good information on your students and track it, track all the engagement. You know, the students been speaking with an advisor and they're also speaking with a teacher. You can track information about their questions, about their concerns to really get to know them and understand them. I mean, the artificial intelligence that's out there right now that can help you really find a student that's struggling in your course when they first are at the cusp of being at risk and you can actually save them, get them back on track, 
make sure they're in the right courses, advise them to get into a different major, perhaps, if they just pick something because they weren't sure and they were just kind of nervous about what their future held for them, given the situation right now and where their life might be. Just better tools out there for creating a sense of community, for giving students access to advisors, other instructional support staff, as well as their peers. You know, find a way to, for students to network with each other, to have forums, to have groups, to really build that community, to keep students engaged. Because if anybody knows, and even as professionals who were forced to go work remotely, you, you know, you lose that sense of engagement. You miss your colleagues, you miss your fellow classmates. And that that's something that's been consistent throughout the pandemic for everyone. And if, and if technology can do nothing else for sure, it can bridge those gaps. So retention, student engagement is super important right now because students are unsure, just like everyone is in the world right now, about what's going to happen next. And when an institution can provide that attention, that engagement, that ability to keep the student, making them feel like they're part of something, they have a better chance of that student staying and being successful. And when that student is successful, they can come back for other types of training. The, the, the benefit of training organizations, and even with higher ed, you know, a lot of schools are thinking right now, okay, how do I get returners to come back? Because maybe I have, I have former graduates that want to take a shorter course and not do a full degree again. You know, what opportunities are out there? So institutions are really looking at how can we creatively keep people engaged throughout the entire process, but then also have them return and have them come back because they had such a great experience with our school. Jeff Hutchison agrees. For him, the role that technology plays in education delivery is to provide a learning experience with familiar digital devices. If you want a baseline 50,000 foot level, the, the answer is yes, it is making a serious impact. And that assessment is, is just based upon the fact of the advancement of technology, uh, whether you're looking at it uh, in terms of the preparedness of individuals um, to be in the workforce and how they can handle the technology that is needed for the jobs out there today, um, or whether you're looking at it in terms of the delivery and what especially the younger generations are expecting in their education and their training. And I often uh, think about uh, how best to serve. I, I don't know if it's actually a, a coined term, but uh, I've, I've, I've heard and seen many references that call the I generation, like an iPhone, iPad, Mm -hmm. Um, they were raised with these devices in hand and that severe, you know, that absolutely has an impact upon how they learn as well as how you can best deliver, uh, education and not just education, but also training. And I think that will have, uh, or excuse me, does have an impact in terms of what direction, uh, that uh, education institutions, whether the training or, or higher ed based are, are taking, uh, and, and the focus that they have. So when you take all that together, You've got a, a great strain on um, on training organizations to make sure that they stay relevant, uh, innovative, and, and, and ahead of the curve of what uh, corporations, employers need. Higher ed, especially research-based organizations or, or you know, the, the research one institutions and uh, of the like that need to make sure that they are up to date uh, with the uh, technology that they have for what's happening. But, you know, I think of biomedical, uh, you know, even engineering, what, what are they going to need to stay ahead and to be, you know, make sure that they're training, mm-hmm. excuse me, not training, but uh, providing an education that uh, is going to produce uh, quality uh, graduates uh, yeah. for the yeah. program. So it does make a serious impact in that. Recently, the McKinsey Global Institute released a report concluding that millions of jobs lost during the pandemic are not coming back. 
This creates a desperate need for retraining programs, and many will look to technology as the panacea for all problems, the shiny penny in a pile of dull coins. It's only a facilitator and no substitute for what's most important, Jeff says, which is content. Yeah, I, d I didn't mention that at the beginning, but I think that is one of the variables uh, that is probably primary in this. Uh, it, it is the content. You, you can have the, the fanciest technology used, but if you're not delivering what's needed and what's important for the consumer or the client, the student, uh, you, you might as well be sitting on a corner uh, playing a video game because you're not mm -hmm. <laughs> you're not going to be doing anything. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's so content is 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 vital in this. Um, and if an organization just thinks that hey, I get the the fanciest uh, system and it's going to have all the bells and whistles, great. But if they don't have the content to go with that, uh, and that that really is the million dollar question or billion dollar trillion dollar question is that those jobs lost are a result of economic shifts in the workforce uh, and, and how people uh, function in the economy. How is that going to be picked up? Is it going to be shifted towards uh, the tech communities? Uh, is it going to be shifted towards uh, transportation? Well, I, you know, it's a combination of a lot of things. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's really an economic question. And I think any training organization, higher education institution will be diligently looking into that and preparing themselves for for how they're going to continue to serve their students in a, in a in a changing workforce. One of the great strengths of technology is its power with data analytics and artificial intelligence. Both can be used to help pinpoint tomorrow's professions and jobs today. But using technology to leverage great results for students is only one side of the coin. The other involves getting an organization or higher ed institution up to speed on the technology as well. Yeah, you, you bring up a very good point on, on uh, what we would uh, normally call big data uh, and, and the predictive nature of that and what you can do with it. And that is, that is where you tap into what's going on out there in the economy uh, and where the shifts are. And the, the wisest, brightest people are already out there. They're working on that and, and um, getting it towards it. And when you drill that down into an institution, it is going to help propel uh, that organization to, to maximize its resources uh, in the right direction. Uh, and one of the points that you brought up, uh, and I think it might have been an earlier question, which I think has great relevance in this, and this this has to do with the uh, the delivery and bringing all of the organization itself to embrace this technology. Uh, you know, I've, I've worked with universities where you've got faculty that just absolutely are. I don't want to say dying, but they are not delivering the quality of instruction in, in an online environment because they just are not prepared. It's not something that they have embraced. And, and when you talk about retraining, it's not just the students. Uh, it's not just the workforce you've got to retrain. It's also your own organization, your own people yeah. uh, to be prepared for this, for that delivery. When it comes to online courses, trainers and traditional educators are only too aware of a worrying fact. A high percentage of online learners never finish the course or program they've registered for. So what sort of assistance could a technology platform like Salesforce provide to try and reduce online dropouts? April had a ready answer. I, for sure with that, it's going to be a, a combination, I would say, of engagement tools. When you think about communities, student portals, chat and messaging functions, ways to keep students connected with their instructors, but also that uh, artificial intelligence, the Einstein uh, intelligence that where they can actually identify students within their course 
to see if they're on track, if they have attendance issues, if there are any subjects that are particularly challenging to a student, or if they find a student being at risk. You know, this is a time where people need students, learners, people, humans, everybody needs support right now. Everybody needs a helping hand. And Salesforce can do that. Salesforce really can take a lot of the manual processes off the to-do list of a lot of administrators, a lot of advisors and, and support roles at institutions so they can spend that time with the students. So if, you know, if I'm an advisor at a school and I have time now to actually just quickly look at a dashboard to see which students might be at risk, who might need help, I can go in and I can call them, I can text them. I'll know how to communicate with them because they've told me as part of their profile. I'll know that they prefer to get on a Zoom call with me as opposed to having an email sent because that particular student doesn't take, doesn't check email anymore because everyone has too much email. So it's really just a way to understand students better and meet them where they are, to get at a point where they really believe that you get them as a school, that you understand, wow, this, this school really gets me. They know that I'm not going to go through hundred emails, that I need someone to reach out to me, or I don't, you know, so you can really gauge so much about the learner, their perspective, their goals, and you can really cater your experience to that without having to do a whole lot of work. And that's what trainings providers are looking for. That's, I mean, that's what everyone's looking for in their life. Nobody wants to do a job that a computer can do. Nobody wants to do something technology can do for them, especially if it's going to allow them to free them up to do the part of their job they really either enjoy the most or is the most important to them. And, you know, so many people can be intimidated or worried about what might happen, you know, should technology come in and take over their job. It doesn't take over your job. It takes over the parts you don't need to do anymore. It, it lets you do the work that people need to do, that a human needs to do to speak to a student and to intervene at a time when they might need help and they might be at risk and to help them get across the finish line. Those are the experiences that students will take with them. They're the ones they'll tell their friends about. They're the ones that they'll come back for. Those are the ones you want to hang on to. That's why you need technology to support you, not to take away your work, to take away the part you don't want to do in the first place. Now, the years that when you were at uh, ELS, you used Salesforce, did you not? We did, yes. We did use Salesforce. Okay. So, so these results that you're talking about that can be achieved with Salesforce, you actually have seen that happen? Yes, it was it was quite um, it was a really eye opening experience for us at, at ELS at the time, you know, we had a perfectly developed for our business homegrown system, which was fantastic for student management, but it didn't have any of the bells and whistles or the plugins that you can relate to student journey mapping milestones, automated messaging, touch points, communities, a lot of that. We had tons of great data, but really, really, really hard to get to and hard to do anything with where as we transitioned to Salesforce, we were starting to see the results of that. We were really starting to see, wow, I can get a student to step A in the admission process and boom, they're gonna get an email, a personalized email that's related to their specific stage of the journey. And it was nothing that an individual had to do. It was something that the system was smart enough to, that we were smart enough to build a process around and the system was able to, to carry out for us. Training and higher education in the past have been separated by their target markets. Colleges and universities sought academic students, while training organizations catered to job retraining, skill upgrades, and so on, often within the context of companies. Today, largely because of the pandemic, those lines are blurred. Students, formerly at universities, are seeking marketable skill sets from training organizations in place of expensive liberal arts BA programs, while employees are looking for career improvement through online programs like EMBAs, from higher educational institutions. Making it all possible for educators, trainers, and learners is technology. And while the road for online instruction has been a bumpy one, 
Platforms like Salesforce are providing the tools to smooth the way forward to what will undoubtedly be an exciting new chapter in learning. You've been listening to Ahead of the Curve, produced by Gerund in cooperation with Salesforce. Our special thanks to Jeff Hutchison from Global Ed Professionals for his views and his insight on remote education, as well as to April Bulwich, Gerund's Senior Director of Education. Our technical producer is Dave Grine, owner of the Acme Podcasting Company in Toronto, and I'm Chris Henry. Thanks for joining us. 